Welcome to this new episode of the House of Trust. My name is Servan Moison, and I'm inviting you to explore and think about the mental models and conditions that help you all, impact leaders, you people who love to invest in positive social and environmental change, to collaborate and do more great positive work. My guest today is Jessica Espinosa, CEO of 2X Global, a global membership and field building organization for investors, capital providers, and intermediaries working in public and private markets across both developed and emerging economies. And they are unlocking gender-smart capital at scale. And to date, they have accounted for billions of dollars in gender-smart investments deployed in the past couple of years. So settle in and discover with Jessica what gender-smart investing really means, why it matters, and how you are connected to these two. Jessica, hello, and thank you for taking a moment to reflect with me today on your thoughts and inspiration. Hi, Savan. Really excited to be here today. So let's start with a bang. Can you tell us who you are, but in five words, if you have five words to describe yourself? Oh, my God, five words. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe, uh, you know, I... Unlock gender smart capital at scale. <laughs> Does that count as five words? So I like it because you, you keep a still a bit of mystery about who you are behind this this role. And if you have another five words, tell more about who you are. <laughs> um okay, maybe let me let me do it like five, you know, mini bullets. So one, uh, driven by social impact. I think that that characterizes me. Uh second, uh, collaborative. Uh, and always looking for new partnerships and ways to collaborate with others. Mm -hmm. Uh, Third, innovative. Um, Over the last years, I've spearheaded a lot of um, innovative initiatives together with others. So innovation is something that's really important to me. Curious. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about your podcast and the conversation today. (laughs) So I like surprises and, and I'm just a very curious person who loves to learn. And then fifth, I would say, you know, kind of a global citizen. I really feel home all over the world. I've lived in different countries and places, and I love collaboration across countries globally. Wow. So curiosity, collaboration, partnership, innovation, global, um, women of the world. Tell me, Jessica, you unlock gender smart capital at scale. What does this mean, really? Yeah, it's an excellent question. Uh, And I think, you know, kind of what it means has also evolved over the last years. Mm -hmm. So it all started for us with the 2X Challenge, which we collectively launched at the G7 Summit in 2018. And back at that time, it was a group of development finance institutions of the G7 countries, colleagues who came together and mobilized their leadership to get on stage and make a joint capital commitment. And so at the time for us, it was really, um, you know, this desire to shift more capital towards gender equality and more investment projects that benefit women in emerging markets. And unfortunately, you know, not that much has changed if we look at the big picture numbers. So we still know that only a tiny fraction of capital and finance goes to women founded and led companies around the world. 
our initial intention was really to change that. So we came together, we made this bold capital commitment of $3 billion in three years. At that time, everybody thought completely crazy, super ambitious. Mm -hmm. And we ended those three years in the middle of a pandemic in 2020 uh, with over 11 billion mobilized and, and deployed. And so it was really, you know, this moment where we showed this is possible, this is working and we can do it. And so during that time, we had to define what we actually mean by gender smart investing, because there wasn't, there was kind of a definition that criterion shaped way back when, which is to add gender analysis into you know, financial analysis and the way we make investment decisions. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't kind of a framework that investors could use, clear criteria beyond looking, for example, at companies founded or owned by women. Mm -hmm. So we expanded it further. We really wanted to look at the full business value chain to make sure that nobody had an excuse uh, not to do it, right? Because otherwise you can say, oh, you know, I'm not investing in startups, so um, I'm not doing anything. So it was really important for us to have a framework that can be widely adopted by all types of actors. And so we define the 2x criteria as one, entrepreneurship. So we do look at ownership and whether the company is founded by women. Mm -hmm. But then secondly, we also look at leadership. So looking at the share of women, in senior management and on the board of directors, or if it's a fund on the investment committee. Mm -hmm. Then third, uh, quality employment. So looking at the share of women in the workforce, but also policies and practices and how they promote or hinder gender equality. And the fourth one, products and services and how they are designed to enhance the well-being of women and girls or to promote their um, economic participation. And so those criteria, which were codified and harmonized with other standard setters, quickly became a global industry standard of gender lens investing. And that's, you know, kind of what we mean by it. But I think, you know, your question goes much deeper, like what does it actually mean and what are we doing? And so um, I'm happy to also share in this conversation a bit more about what we do more specifically at 2X Global and how this has evolved, you know, into this global membership and field building organization that works across a number of different strategic priorities. Mm. I just pick up on the, the two phrases that are coming up here. There's a gender lens investing and gender smart investing. I mean, it's part of that evolution. I'm, I'm aware of that. But what is the actual difference here? Because these two phrases are popping here and there. Maybe people might want to know more about that. Yeah, I think it's not uh, consistently applied. I think there are, you know, I think I use it often interchangeably. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea, so initially, everybody talked about gender lens investing, you know, looking at investment through the lens of gender mm -hmm. and, and, and making smarter decisions. But then as the community realized, okay, this is actually really smart investing, you know, it's, there's a business case, there's an impact case, and this is just it's just silly to ignore 50% of the population and so in our investment decisions. And so if we apply a gender lens, it's actually smart. And so uh, especially gender smart uh, as an organization who merged with 2X to become what is today 2X Global coined the term gender smart investing, which really put the emphasis on, you know, it's, it's also smart to do. It's not only the right thing, it's also the smart thing to do it. I think in practice, sometimes gender smart investing is used more broadly by also more commercial investors to signal that it's kind of a mainstreaming approach 
that they make their investments gender smart. Whereas gender lens is sometimes perceived as, you know, being even more intentional, you're leading with gender, it's like much more deliberate and focused, for example, in a fund's investment thesis. Mm -hmm. But I think largely, you know, it's, it's used, used often interchangeably. Mm, so what I'm I'm hearing as well is that the gender smart is also an adjective. So the investors themselves can qualify who they are by just adding the gender smart and owning and being and embodying that that behavior, right? Exactly. So let's pause for a second, because you are gender smart, obviously, throughout. <laughs> what is it in your, your own story that makes you want to do this work to be gender smart? Outside mm. the five words that you said uh, <laughs> earlier, but let's dig deeper. Yeah, so it's a very long story. Let me try to, you know, keep it relatively brief. When I started my career, and it was already back then when, you know, when I graduated from high school and was thinking about my future, it, I really noticed this dichotomy between the social sector that was doing good and the business sector that presumably was doing bad, but, you know, it was kind of cool to be in the business sector. Mm -hmm. And I never understood, you know, where that was coming from, because I, I thought back then, if you really want to change the world, you need both sides, you need the social sector, and you also need the business community to really promote change at scale. And so I consciously decided to study international business. and but to apply a social impact lens mm -hmm. to everything I was doing in that space. Mm -hmm. And at the time, it was kind of the early days of microfinance. And, uh, you know, it was when the Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to Mohammed Yunus. And so I became really interested in social business. And I started relatively spontaneously, I decided the first job that I would take would be in a social business to really, you know, understand how, how it works in practice to be on the ground and to gain that skill set. And so that's what I did before I then went back into a more corporate setting. And I, I then started working in microfinance as well across, uh, especially Africa and Latin America, lived and worked in different countries. And it really struck me that on the one hand, microfinance was positioned as a tool to uh, reach a number of social goals, but also to empower women. But in reality, there was, you know, there was like this disconnect between the narrative of empowering women and what was actually happening on the ground, which was often men were the decision makers, women were the quote unquote beneficiaries but also their needs weren't really taken into account holistically. You know, it was somebody else who was designing the products and services for them and was kind of saying this is what women need rather than really hearing and, you know, having women participate. And there was also this disconnect between micro-businesses and larger businesses, you know, kind of SME type of businesses. And I always wondered why it is that women could get you know, small money for, for example, for seeds, um, you know, to start grow a small business. Mm -hmm. But as soon as she had ambitions to grow it, capital was nowhere to be seen. Mm -hmm. And so I became increasingly interested in that. I also in my personal journey, you know, I faced a lot of kind of gender bias, not only myself, but I also noticed structural gender issues in the different countries where I worked. And so I became increasingly interested in you know, how to connect all of these thoughts, where is this coming from? It's not smart business. So why, you know, why is this happening? Mm. And 
I think that's been accompanying me throughout my career. I then moved on uh, to um, work for the ProCredit Banking Group, and I was member of the management board of the ProCredit Bank in Nicaragua, which was an amazing opportunity. And again, you know, I thought, wow, now I'm in a position where I can really affect change at scale because I'm, you know, one of the key decision makers in that bank. But at that time, I realized as well that actually a lot of influence is coming from your investors and from the board of directors. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I increasingly became interested in an investment side and the impact that I could have at an even greater scale if I moved into an investor role. So I became an investor joined uh, DG, the German Development Finance Institution. And, you know, that's also what then led to launching the 2X Challenge and, and getting more involved in this. But it's kind of been accompanying me from the beginning. And I've evolved my career in different ways, you know, to pursue the same objectives, but uh, in different ways. What a wonderful story. And, and I can see with the mechanism and the reflection behind this story as well, and how to gain more influence, gain more power as well. So now that you are steering the 2X Global, I mean, do you have stories that illustrate the power that these members, all you all together uh, have and how these help shift things on the ground? Yeah, there are definitely a lot of stories. Maybe to, to start with one, uh, something that has always been at the core of what we do are our communities of practice. So we have, for example, communities of practice focusing on the nexus of gender and climate finance, mm-hmm. the care economy, Jedi, broader justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And they are very practical. So these are you know practitioners coming together, identifying shared challenges, and then working on concrete solutions, collaborating on investment projects, and also, for example, jointly developing toolkits. And one of those uh, early toolkits that was really, really successful is our Gender Smart Climate Finance Toolkit, mm-hmm. which was launched at COP26, uh, so you know, a couple of years ago now, yeah. um, where uh, I was in, in Glasgow together with women entrepreneurs from around the world to launch this toolkit and to really put an emphasis on the fact that women around the world are really at the front lines of driving climate action, but are often ignored from climate discussions, don't have that seat at the climate decision-making table. And so it was an amazing opportunity at COP to, you know, to have that shared stage with the women entrepreneurs to launch the toolkit. And the toolkit was developed by our members together. So we have different case studies from different members, uh, different expertise, and it uh, consists of a, of a set of 12 sector guidance. So, you know, whether you're in water or transportation or banking, you find something about gender and climate and how it's relevant for you. And I think that's a really, you know, I, I love the story because it was in the early days, you know, we were a tiny organization still, but with the power of our members, we were able to create something that was a true co-creation and that received a lot of recognition at the COP stage and then subsequently, at every time you know the, another COP came up annually, we were able to show progress and case studies and and add to that toolkit to make it really relevant for practitioners. I love this story because you highlight some key principles here: the power of partnerships, the power of finding a platform where you can also have more echo and more resonance and more maybe spotlights, and where people 
can't really say no. I mean, they want to be part of that, can they? Yeah, I think that's very true. Exactly. And then that attracts others, right? And then uh, others come and say, hey, really love what you did on climate. Can we do something like that on the care economy? How can Mm. we get involved? Mm -hmm. And I think it also, you know, reduces the barrier to get started because there are many people out there in different types of roles and jobs who really want to make a difference Mm -hmm. and who are excited about this opportunity. But it's kind of hard to be a change agent on your own, especially um, you know, if you perhaps not necessarily don't don't internally have the mandate to drive these agendas, uh, but you still want to get inspired and make a difference. And so I think by joining these kind of networks and peer groups, it's really powerful to be part of the change and to get inspired about how to, you know, take the first steps and just move towards action. So I love that, that mandate to be a change agent. And actually, you have all the resources at hand to um bring people into that circle and into that dance of, of gender smart investing or contribution contributing to this this movement. So imagine lastly, financial institutions still traditional or an organization, financial organization that are still, you know, entrenched in their own ways. What are the steps that you might want to or that you are using maybe to influence and convince them to pay attention, not just attention, but also direct their capital to your aim? You know, when they're they're not the people who would want to have a mandate, but maybe they're not that aware still. I'm mm-hmm. sure there are still some people like that, are they? Yeah, definitely. What's your plan for them? <laughs> so there's a different plan for different audiences. So even, you know, among this audience that you describe, um, there, there are a lot of nuances and, and there's quite quite great diversity. Um, but we see that what, you know, different things convince different people. So for some people, it's really important to understand the business case. And it might be the case, for example, if they have to convince their board or, you know, their broader organization and stakeholders. And if they're very commercially driven, it's really important to explain the business case. So what we find really helpful is to have, we have a a number of, you know, fact sheets and and different talking points and so on about how to make that business case Mm -hmm. in your particular, you know, sector, asset class, geography, um, wherever you are situated. And then the other thing that almost always works is to have peers who have done it you know because you you sometimes can't imagine that something can actually work until you see somebody like you doing it and so we also um, seek to bring peers together and to facilitate a lot of peer learning and you know getting inspired but by what others do so in your scenario if for example a big commercial bank comes to us and says you know not really sure if we should get involved but kind of curious I would immediately send them uh, to my colleague Borja, who is with a city social finance, and you know, and, and then City is perceived as a peer and, and can show how they do it and and you know what's convincing about it and what's in it for them. Another way to get them excited is you know to have them join a network like Twix Global, mm-hmm. or if it's an individual, I would also point them to women and social finance, you know, to one of these networks where they can, again, get inspired by others, be part of a community, and just take steps. Uh, Often, we have people approach us who feel that before the organization can become a member or can position itself in the space of gender smart investing, 
they have to have the perfect plan. You know, they, they think about getting lawyers on board and strategists and consultants and developing a big master plan and maybe in two or five years down the road, they can join us. And that's exactly what we don't advise to do because uh, we can't really afford as a community to repeat the same mistakes that others have already made, right? There's so much learning. And so we really encourage these organizations to join. Doesn't matter if you're early on your journey, but you can learn from others and avoid the pitfalls, you know, and, and kind of leapfrog to, <laughs> to the, uh, the insights that we have today on many of these challenges. That's wonderful what you say, because I'm imagining this this kind of advice can be transferable in other parts of our lives. Like don't wait to have the perfect plan or the perfect business case to get going. Just do that incrementally, enjoy the power of partnership, of trust building, of connections and of learning. Why, if anyone's still got imposter syndrome after that, this, you know, this is impossible because it's just a real invitation to come in, to join in and learn together. Well, thank you so much. I wonder what more do you think or feel or want to say, Jessica? Yeah, so there are um, several annual recurrent events that I would encourage people to join. One is the Future of Impact Summit, which I'm organizing in my personal capacity with my social venture, Shoko. And the Future of Impact Summit happens every year and brings together impact-driven entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem players to connect, learn, and inspire action towards the SDGs. It's really a space for innovation, very candid, courageous conversations, and we always see that new actions are coming out of this. There are also a number of events uh, every year that we organize at, at 2X or in collaboration also with other partners. And so um, you can find more about that on our website and our newsletter. And it would be really amazing to see many of the listeners uh, meet them at, on these occasions and continue the conversation. Wonderful. We put all this in the, in the show notes. Thank you so much, Jessica, for your contribution and explanation and all your example of how this movement is growing and evolving. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. So that's it for today. Thank you all for listening to this exploration on gender smart investing in the House of Trust today with Jessica Espinosa from 2X Global. Now you know what to do. You can subscribe now to this podcast on your favorite platform to make sure you don't miss the next episode. You can comment, review, and share it to bring more people into the discussion. And for more insights, resources, and opportunities, and even if you want to develop a thinking environment for yourself and your team to design new, courageous, and relevant projects or reflect on your ways of collaborating, well, you head to my website, savanmoison.co.uk, and you subscribe to my regular updates. You'll have all the information you need. Keep connecting. Keep thinking. Bye-bye.